Morning, good evening, wherever you are, and welcome to episode 73 of the Cloudcast. Uh, tonight, we're coming to you live from our massive Cloudcast studios here in Raleigh, North Carolina. Um, you know, one of the things uh, that Aaron and I have been trying to do more and more lately is, uh, you know, as much as we hear about what's going on out in Silicon Valley or in Austin or wherever, uh, we're personally trying to get more and more connected to what's going on around RTP. RTP is kind of a um, a, a small technology hotbed. There's all sorts of interesting stuff going on. And, and one of the things that we've been doing a lot lately is getting engaged with the Triangle DevOps group, which is a, a group here. It's the, 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 org, the group's run by Mark Mazik, who works over at, uh, at, at OpsCode, um, the chef guys. And uh, one of the things that we did uh, a couple of weeks ago um, is I got a chance to sit in a, in a session with uh, our guest tonight, Doug Harefield. And Doug is Doug. Welcome to the show, first and foremost. Thank you. Uh, Doug's manager of systems engineering and continuous integration. So in essence, he's kind of the lead DevOps guy at a company called Bronto Software. And real quick, Doug, tell us what Bronto does, and then we'll jump into why I thought the session that you gave was was really really cool. Sure, sure. So uh, Bronto is a marketing technology platform built entirely on open source uh, code, and we basically provide a way for our customers to send out marketing campaigns, uh, either email, SMS, uh, social media, things like that. And and the big win for them is we give them all these great analytics back uh, so that they know how successful their marketing campaign was and can buy revenue. You know, did this campaign convert to a sale on my website, things like that. Okay. Cool. So, um, so in essence, your whole business is is driven around technology. This isn't just a, a side IT piece of it. Um, Absolutely. Okay. And your role in that is uh, sort of sort of clarified for folks because the way you explained it was was sort of unique. It's it's there's a there's a sysadmin piece of it, but it's it's much more than that. Yeah, I have. Uh, it, I, I kind of laugh about it periodically that uh, I think it's partially a product that I've been at Bronto for almost six years and started when we were, you know, 15 or, or 16 people. But uh, I was the first sysadmin there. But now I manage a, a team of systems administrators that are responsible for basically if it if it blinks or beeps uh, in the corporate office or in the data center or the production network, it's it's on us. But I'm also responsible for the continuous integration or you know, quality assurance department as well. So it's a, it's kind of a weird combination, but it's really allowed me to to bridge two diverse groups and and actualize all of the the benefit that those two can have upon each other. Because QA needs a lot of help from systems to kind of understand how things go together and how they work differently in production as opposed to dev or stage, uh, and all of the benefit that you know. Maybe like a traditional department like systems administration doesn't really process a lot of stuff through a QA department like uh, software dev has in the past. So uh, through uh, some somewhat serendipitous uh, uh, events, I, I am responsible for both of those great teams. I have a, a lot of great people that uh, I get to work with and, and uh, learn a lot from. Okay. 
Very cool. So, so let me let me set this up. And actually, before we jump into that, uh, one quick thing, and I think this, I think, I, I think this relates to you as well. So, uh, one of the things Aaron and I are doing, and we we kind of been doing this weekly, giving folks an update. We're uh, we're both running in the the Krispy Kreme run or the donut run, as everybody mm-hmm. who listens to the show knows. Uh, wanted to give folks a quick update. Uh, we upped our goal fundraising goal to like four thousand dollars. We're up to about thirty seven hundred dollars. So, thank you very much for everybody who's made contributions. Um, and I think, because uh, we always go off and stalk our guests before, I think I've seen pictures of you having run in the race before. Is that true? Yeah, it's absolutely true. So I, uh, I've run in almost all of them. Uh, one I missed uh, for, I think my first daughter was, or my wife was, uh, it was any day now that that was going to happen. So I had to miss that, um, unfortunately. And then we're going to be out of town this year. But uh, it's kind of one of the things, like every year I eat that dozen donuts, and I swear I'm never going to do that again, and I'm right back at it the next year. So I, uh, so I really had a, I had a personal goal to break 40 minutes on it, and then they upped the mileage on it the next year, so I blew it out of the water. Yeah, they moved it from four, four miles to five miles. Real quick before we yeah. go back to the demo, give folks, because we've been telling people this for a long time, give folks a sense of like just kind of how crazy the scene is at the beginning and then in the middle when all the donut stuff's going down. Oh, it's totally crazy. I mean, it's a unique experience. Um, I, I'm kind of a, I'm a pretty competitive person, so uh, I learned early on, you know, be at the front of the of the pack, and uh, you see people in the wildest costumes and people just, you know, just killing themselves to get to the donuts. And then, like even those donuts, like every person is equal there because you right. really can only eat those donuts so fast. And uh, you see people that are gung ho. And donuts, no problem. And then they they realize about a minute into it that eating a dozen donuts is no trivial task. <laughs> and then you're just, you know, how much, you know, can you just knuckle down and make it back to the finish with that that payload of a dozen donuts in your gut? I know, I know, it's insane. So, uh, so we're doing it. We'll miss you, but uh, we'll, uh, we'll we'll give you the update. Uh, you know, a week and a half from now or whatever. So, so let's get back to let's get back to the the reason we were getting together. So. You know, you you started this talk, and I'll, I'll give a little bit of background because I don't want to. Uh, for for folks uh, that are listening, Doug's presentation will put the notes um, out in the show notes, so you can go back and take a look at it. But basically, uh, you, you know, you kicked it off, and you were going to talk about how Bronto is is using DevOps, and to a certain extent, you were talking about kind of your your evolution of this, you know, kind of thinking of how do I. How do you you know how do you make what you do this this mix of QA and sysadmin and all these things better, and and you sort of started off at least for me this is why it was kind of an aha moment you started off and you said yeah I had to start thinking about how to manage hardware as code and I went okay this is you know I've kind of heard this before like I'm I'm interested in the details but I've kind of heard it before but I'd always kind of heard it as as kind of a it was it was sort of a toolsy thing or a sysadmin thing and when you started going into like no, no, no. We had to really kind of almost put yourselves in the developer's shoes, not just how they think about code, but like the tools they use, how they think about commits, how they think about scheduling stuff. Like, like talk about that. Cause when you talked about that, you were like, I literally think about how I manage the, the, the operation of that thing. Like, like software, I don't ever think about it as hardware. Like for me, that was a big kind of aha moment. Talk about how you got to that point. Um, in, in your learning cycle, and then and then let's get into how you guys actually do it. Sure, sure. So you know, it's it's like necessity is the mother of invention. Um, we had a very lean shop on the sysadmin side, and, and Bronto has experienced some incredible growth since I joined. And it's it's like how do you keep up? 
And, you know, I think Bill Gates had a great quote. He was like, I'm going to give a hard job to a lazy person because they're going to find the easiest way to do it. Yeah. And, you know, I had this, this hard problem of like, how do we scale the environment, you know, from the sysadmin side, you know, the hardware and the, the OS and supporting infrastructure and keep everything safe and all the lights on it and things like that. And, um, you know, I, I tried multiple things. Uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I like to iterate on a problem over and over until I solve it. And, and we, we tried a, a number of things. And, you know, I'm looking around and, and I'm just like, you know, a lot of the things fundamentally are the same thing that we're doing. We're trying to get safe changes to production like if you don't change anything it's basically going to run forever right and uh you know how do we get these safe changes out there and I, i'm looking around and you know talking to my friends and, and the other software groups and, and i'm like these guys are doing this every day and they're and they're doing it safely and uh you know this is you know about the time that devops is starting to kind of become known you know i'm starting to read the blogs you know from Etsy and, and Velocity is starting to, to be a big deal. And um, it's like, maybe I, you know, is there a way I can make this work? Is there a way that I don't have to reinvent the wheel to solve this problem? And uh, just started iterating on that problem. Uh, and, you know, the, the work's not, not ever over, but I feel like we've made some great strides in, uh, in solving, you know, getting changes out to production in a safe manner. And that was, you know, really the, the core problem I had to solve. Okay. And so j- just to put things in perspective, like how many, ch- what, what's in a day or in a week, like how many changes are we, re- are we talking about here? Uh, yeah, from a, a sysad, you know, from the system side, you know, we're making changes to Crontab or, uh, you know, just kind of like a, a configuration component, you know, not like the, the real, you know, like a Java library or, or right. some PHP code or something like that. Um, we found a way to scale it to, you know, almost any development group within the organization is able to make the changes. And so we may be pushing out 10 to 20 changes a day um, on the puppet side to, uh, you know, to, you know, just make very small singular changes uh, across the environment. You know, a lot of those, um, because of the way our application functions to some degree are, you know, simple cron tab changes, but, uh, we're also, you know, we have a lot of work to do to continue to scale the environment. And uh, we're, you know, the sysadmins are cranking out a lot of work as well as, you know, other groups that are working on things like Redis uh, or HBase or, or Hadoop to, you know, constantly get, you know, things out there that we're, they're trying to tweak or, or turn, turn new services up. So right. we're, you know, anywhere 10 to 20 changes a day. Okay. And, and you know, obviously in your business, you know, being able to to constantly be able to to look at the data you're getting back from campaigns, being able to refine that, being able to give that back to customers as new options. You're running A/B tests all the time on on what people are going to like. Like, there's a lot of a lot of moving parts going on. This isn't sort of the traditional just lots of transactional stuff. This is yeah. analytics happening. This is you know website you know, UIs having to to morph you know all the time. I mean, it's a pretty complicated thing, even for the the size of, of Bronto. We're like we're not you know we're not saying this is this is facebook but it's it, it interacts with facebook it interacts with all these sort of online systems right yeah yeah it, it's not a trivial um thing to to manage i mean to be able to send you know 90 million emails in a day is no trivial wow. feat just all the things that go into that but to be able to buy, provide basically you know real-time analytics on you know whatever 
uh, is also quite a challenge. And to just have the uptime, you know, with you know, we do transactional email uh, a, a good bit now, and just you know, you buy something at at Party City, and by the time you get to your car, you have your your email receipt is on your phone. You right. know, that type of performance, um, and then to be able to provide that data back to the customer uh, is is pretty you know, be pretty challenging. Yeah. Yeah. No. And, and having done it for, for marketing campaigns, it's, you know, you're, you're looking for numbers, you're looking for something that gives you some sense of how effective it was and what did people do with it? And, um, so very, very cool. So, so let's talk a little bit about some of the kind of the frameworks that, that you now have in place. So I know you talked about, um, you guys adopted, you're sort of, you're sort of a puppet shop puppets, helping you kind of drive some of the automation, but talk about, the kind of framework of tools that you're using both from not only how you're making changes and, and automating changes, but also, um, the, the way that you're, you're checking in configurations, you're scheduling kind of the synchronization between software changes and, and sysadmin changes. I thought that was very, very cool. Okay. Yeah. So we're, uh, you know, we are a puppet shop, uh, much to, uh, Mark sugar in there. <laughs> we're not a, a chef shop, unfortunately, but, uh, yeah, we're, um, you know, the, Bringing on Puppet a couple of years ago uh, was really one of the things that they got our, you know, we kind of put our toe in the water there. Because, like, once you do Puppet, it, it's like a different type of tool. You know, it's more like object-oriented programmatic management tool. Mm-hmm. And so it's hard to just just do Puppet. Like, you really need to do Get or SVN. We, we chose to do Get. And then, you know, then you're kind of already invested in that that development. Like, you 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 are and you don't even realize it. Yep. And so that makes it a little bit easier to then bring on the supporting tools. Um, like back when we started, we used fog bugs and review board. Um, and now we, uh, we made the switch to use Jira and uh, crucible and bamboo and all, all the, the Elastian products that go there. So we, <clears throat> you know, so by bringing in Puppet and Get first, it, it kind of made it like software developing, and we didn't even realize it. And then just having the challenges of, you know, we had two basically systems administrators that were making changes at that time. And so the orchestration between those two wasn't very challenging. But, you know, I kind of had this vision that I, I didn't want to have fiefdoms or silos of, of information. I thought that was just too old school. That was a very antiquated way to look at things. And I wanted to build it in a way that, that, anybody could use the tools that we engineered to help themselves because what I was seeing is that, you know, we had this great tool called puppet that we can make these changes, but it, you know, there was kind of a steep learning curve um, at the beginning and people would just circumvent it. And so I was like, we've got to make it easy enough for people to use. So that was kind of one of the, the aha moments. It's like, well, you know, maybe if we use the tools and the methods that they already know how to use, it'll make it a little bit easier for them and there'll be easier acceptance for that. And it's just been a complete win in, in adoption. I mean, there's develop like a developer almost every day. It's just like, Hey, how do I, you know, I want to start using puppet to, to do this change. Like, you know, how, you know, where's the documentation? Like, get me started on that. And then when they, they come back and they're like, wow, that is so easy. And like, I'll, you know, you have to learn the nuances of puppet, but everything else I already know how to do. Right. Okay. So it's, it's really a matter of, you know, finding that middle ground to a certain extent between the kind of, kind of tools that, that maybe part of the team knows how to use and then trying to cross pollinate it. It's, it's, it's about, I, I know you, you talked a little bit about like just trying to get to sort of common languages. Like, you know, we use 
like you said, we use Git as, or you use Git as the repository, I think, for, for all the development code, but now you're starting to use it for, uh, you know, the things that you're using on the operation side as well. I mean, talk about like how that, just, just getting common language between the groups is, is helpful. Sure. Yeah. It, it really was, uh, yeah, very lucky that at the same time, the rest of the development team was making the transition to get as well. So we've been at SVN shop for many years and, uh, I kind of felt like, in, in a way, it was, it was ironic that systems engineering was kind of ahead of, ahead of the curve on on some of the methods for deployment and uh, version control than the rest of, the, of engineering. But we had a lot less cruft that we had to deal with, and uh, basically, kind of, we we started using Git really early on with a few other like isolated teams, and we really pushed to get everybody on the same version control. So just, you know. And we didn't really have to – it wasn't hard to make it work. We just had to basically make the decision as an organization that we're all going to be on Git and that we were going to make it work that way. And um, and I, I made the decision for my teams that we were going to use the same type of bug tracking and review system that the developers are going to use. So when we made the transition uh, to a new system from for Jira and Crucible, it, it just – it wasn't – it wasn't hard. It, right. We already had everything in place to facilitate that. And – then when everybody's basically using the same tool, they're on the same page, um, the the complexity is greatly reduced. Right. Now now talk for a bit. There was a there was a bit of your talk that was interesting to me in that, you know, you guys use Jira for, for bug tracking from a software perspective, but you also use it for I can't I'm trying to remember the exact term, but basically you classified certain things on the on the op side as bugs that you wouldn't think of as bugs, but, but that was, it was a, a way of saying like, this is like this other thing and that we have to track it and we can, we can check off who got things done. Um, what was the, I'm trying to think of, of how you did it, but it was kind of an interesting way of sort of like calling something a bug so that it would fit into your format and then you could track it and you could assign it to people and you could, uh, kind of finish things from an ops perspective. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I kind of I referenced one aspect that, uh, you know, change is hard. Like, change is hard for, yeah. for everybody, you know. Uh, but changing the way you think about things is, is even more challenging. The way you have been conditioned in your career to, you know, like, this is how I'm going to solve a problem. Right. Uh, like, systems administrators solve it in a very detailed, very um, step-by-step procedure. You know, systems administrators typically are are very process driven and they have, you know, the how to documents and all, and all of that stuff. And to switch over to something like puppet, that's, it's a little, you know, it's, it's more programming. Um, is mm-hmm. it's changing the way you think when you want to solve a problem? Um, something that like myself, not being a programmer, um, by trade in the beginning, uh, it's been somewhat of a challenge, but to just any, any problem that you have to solve, like any change that you need to make, it, it's just a bug or a feature request, right? Like it's either a change, um, to something that's existing or it's just something new and uh you know fog bugs or jira you know it basically has a few go for that and so it's like you know just put that in there and we're going to you know assign somebody to it with a, a severe like you know does it need to get done right now or does it you know can it wait a little bit and uh, we'll put a due date on there so it's great for being able to track um you know resources you know we have these things, you know, two weeks from now, we have this thing is due tomorrow. So that, that feature was already built in. And Okay. So you can, it, you can, you can treat a software bug, which has a, a whole set of conditions for priorities and how fast to fix it. And you can align that to, we need to make these, these sort of operational changes and, and you can tie them 
I'm guessing probably to, you know, releases sort of business metrics and a bunch of stuff. If you, if you right. sort of put those, right. out, that's very cool. You certainly can. And, and different groups within the organization that recognize I need something, you know, I need a little bit of help from systems and, and systems engineering. They can assign you a bug. They don't, they don't just send an email that gets lost into the shuffle or an IM or something like that. And it's something that they, they already know how to do anyway. Very cool. Very cool. Now, one of the things I thought that was sort of interesting and I'm, and I'm curious about this. So, um, you know, a lot of times you'll hear folks that do web scale or, you know, cloud or whatever, you know, kind of whatever they call it, they tend to sort of say, look, we, you know, one of the ways that we can, we, we get to that is, is we have almost all uniformity, tons of consistency, whether it's at the hardware level or, um, you know, like the, the software pieces that you're using, um, but I thought it was interesting. You were talking about, and, and the group was sort of talking about, you know, you guys have sort of a different environment between dev, what dev's working on, how you test things, how you do staging, how you do prod. And it wasn't just sort of like, well, this group's over here. It was like, this is uh, running on VMware. This is potentially running over an AWS. This is on bare metal. Like, how do you guys, how do you manage that sort of variation? And, and does that come out of just you know, necessity of, of what you had funding at the time, or is there like, how do you manage that variation and how much, you know, problem does it cause or how much challenge is it with that kind of variation? Yeah, we, um, so a lot of that came out of, you know, necessity at the time. Uh, it came out of, you know, new people that were coming to Bronto, new engineers, um, and what, what they were familiar with, you know, I'd never really used EC2 until, uh, our, uh, really smart guy, Jeff Turner came on, uh, and uh, became our director of uh, development, and he uh, had already been playing with EC2. Okay. And so we had uh, a challenge to stand up um, Hadoop and, and HBase and things like that that typically require a lot of space, and you really need a, kind of a larger number, uh, of, a larger minimum number of nodes that uh, at the time, when we, you know, we had a very lightweight VMware infrastructure that EC2 was, I mean, it was so easy to, set these up and, and shut them down when you needed to. And uh, I was able to kind of architect some, you know, I guess, glue to, to integrate those two environments so they seemed like they were on the same network. And so we, we continue to operate in that capacity to just look at the function of, of this thing, whatever this new component was. or And it's like, where does it fit in better? You know, is this better to run on VMware or does it run better in EC2? And you know, what are we going to have to do to kind of stitch it together? So it was basically taking the role and fitting it, it into a, an appropriate infrastructure. Okay. Um, I, I will say, in, in all uh, all truth, that we're probably um, going to pull out of EC2 uh, in the next couple months for our uh, kind of our, our H-based Hadoop infrastructure because uh it, it's proving like some of the things like the latency in between the two is, is proven to be a problem and uh so one of the lessons learned is you know you know choose the right fit at the time but you know requirements change and, and businesses change like what we can do now as a company of 150 people is what we is different than what we could do as a company of 30 people right um, right and uh you know don't be afraid of that change that okay. you know you have to set this up now but a year from now it, it, things may be different yeah, no, and, I, and I've heard that quite a bit from people who, and, and this isn't a knock on, on EC2. It's it's like you said, like at the time, it was the right tool, or it was the right scale, or it was the right price point, whatever it was. And then either you know your expertise has grown enough to where you don't 
leverage some of their services or like you said, the latency didn't serve the business. And um, so, yeah, we, we've seen, I, I've heard that quite a bit of folks who are kind of in these hyper growth modes or they're in hyper growth markets and it's like things change and you just kind of have to be able to deal with it. And so, yeah. so in terms of kind of, and I think you like, you did a, you did a really good job of explaining that. In, in essence, what you said was like, look, we just need resources and there's times when we need a lot of resources and there's times when we need, you know, resources that are latency sensitive and there's times when we need other kinds of resources. So d- were you then using like, like puppet to sort of, um, manage across all those things. So they looked somewhat seamless or was there, was there like a whole nother level of, uh, you know, kind of tooling you had to put in place to, to make that look somewhat seamless? Yeah, we, we leveraged the, um, the EC2 API to be able to basically we set up, you know, multiple environments is this dev is this staging is this ec2 is this production and uh then we just basically said we need this server this is the environment send go build it puppet gotcha. and uh, it didn't really matter where it was so it, it took a you know a decent amount of tooling and some uh skill set uplift to be able to to do that but we you know, the flexibility that that garners in the long run is is quite beneficial okay very cool um so let me ask this, and I have one real question and then one sort of last question. Um, so obviously what you guys are doing, it's, it's all open source based. It's, you know, the, what you're doing at Bronto is the business. It's not a side part of the business. It's not IT on the side. Can you imagine uh, if, if you were just running sort of the IT part of some business, you, you know, you were over at John Deere making tractors or you were, uh, you know, working in the bank over at, you know, uh, RBC or something like that. Like, could you, can you imagine, um, if, if all the applications weren't sort of modern, is the same methodology, uh, useful or is this really kind of unique to, you know, open source continuous change kind of environments or what, what's your thoughts around that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I would say, uh, you know, uh, I give like the best answer, you know, it just depends. Right. And I, I don't, I don't think that it's quite as dependent on the technology stack that you have. I haven't worked in a, a Windows shop in, in probably over a decade, so uh, you know I can't okay. speak as, as accurately to that as, as you know the, the more the open source side. But really, the the biggest hurdle that I have seen uh, just from colleagues in, in the space is just overcoming like the mindset of the people that work there. Yeah. That, you know, hey, we're going to deploy five times a day or we're going to deploy every day instead of once a year that, you know, that blows people's minds. They just, they can't handle it. And uh, it, it's, you know, I think that really speaks to a lot of the soft skills that can be required in, in our industry that, you know, you you know how to, to evangelize this idea and to show you know, that this idea works, that, that DevOps is a, is a very viable um, means and it's it's a more productive and successful means than these monolithic once a year uh, releases that a lot of companies do that, that Bronto used to do. Yeah. Um, I remember back, you know, it's not been that long ago, a few years when twice a year we did our, our release and, you know, you're up all weekend and things like that. And, and the times that we've uh, backslid a little bit and we, we don't release for a couple of days and we stack a bunch of stuff on top of each other, those are the releases where we, we see problems um, it's, it's when you iterate over these small changes, but getting people to drink the Kool-Aid and to be able to get them to understand how it's uh, such a benefit. Right. Yeah. I think that's the greatest challenge. Okay. So you guys literally went from a twice a year deployment to literally like every day, multiple times a day. 
We did, yeah, and we have multiple repos that we um, we may deploy like one repo twice a day. Um, we may deploy you know one repo once a day. We may be doing just on the code side three or four deployments a day. Um, on the puppet side, you know, it's much more lightweight. It's much more new. Uh, with a lot less cruft, so we may be doing you know a dozen deployments a day, wow. um, and a lot of that's come about with the tooling that we've been able to to craft uh, in systems engineering for for making it very easy. We, we don't have a lot of um, heft that we have to overcome. Right, right, cool. Well, very, very cool. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw out one last thing and just just give me an opinion. Um, uh, and and again, I really appreciate you kind of diving into this stuff for folks that um, you know are kind of interested in the DevOps side and especially in the sort of like, how did you transition side? I would, I would highly recommend Doug's presentation and, um, you know, like the, the, the kind of the, what, what he went through is it feels very much like things that other people could adapt and, and kind of take a look at. So w- one last thing, um, you know, we've had a lot of folks on the show who, you know, are startups out of Silicon Valley, or, you know, you hear about a lot of things that go on out there. Um, obviously, you know, living out in California, really, really expensive, you know, different sort of, uh, lifestyle out there in terms of quality of living or, you know, cost of living and so forth. Talk about the, the DevOps kind of community around RTP. Cause there's, there's a lot of very cool things going on here, uh, in, in a place where you can live very affordably. The weather's great. Uh, we're right near the ocean, you know, so for folks that are kind of into this scene, but maybe are in California, something like talk about what the the RTP kind of DevOps community is like, both in Raleigh and Durham and everything. Okay, yeah, sure. It's uh, it is a little bit new, um, but there's some really great people on there and some really cool technology. You know, I have a few colleagues at different organizations, and uh, you you have some you know a group of people that you can bounce ideas off of that are really sharp, and uh, or you know go grab a beer with after the meetup, and uh, and they're working on cool technology, and it's. It's uh, you know it's nowhere on the scale of Silicon Valley, but no. you know it is it is kind of nice to have you know a little crew of people that are kind of all working towards that similar goal. Yeah. Um, that you know, and there there's shops that like you guys that are doing stuff on a huge scale, um, and you know there's folks working for like Mark at the Ops Code and Mark Embriarco mm-hmm. is over at GitHub. You know he's driving cool stuff at GitHub, and you know there's there's a lot of folks that are doing some very. I mean there's a lot of I think there's a lot of former, you know, Red Hat DNA. I think that's that's floating around the area. Is yeah, that, is that yeah, fair? definitely. Yeah, that yeah, that's a very fair statement. There's a lot of people that um, have you know worked in in companies that have had very humble beginnings that have become very successful. And Red Hat is an excellent example. And uh, you know they they want to see they want to experience that that startup feel again. So you have places like uh, Bronto that uh, that spring up and. Um, there's, you know, there's others within this area. It's just a real hot spot for um, new ideas like Argyle Social is another one that springs to mind. Um, those guys are doing some really cool stuff. Um, they're a chef shop, uh, coincidentally. But, uh, yeah, it's a real hot spot. I mean, there's if there's a technology that you're really interested in, you can definitely find it in this area without having to pay, um, you know, possibly like seven figure uh, for a house. So Yeah. Cool. I'm a big fan of this area. Yeah, absolutely. It's a it's a it's a good for good a very good bunch of folks and and the stuff that you guys do on a monthly basis is is very cool and it's very it's very open and uh so i very much appreciate you coming on tonight um you know i think uh we will uh we'll have to hopefully folks like 
the show. I think we've been trying to get more and more content around this kind of stuff, and we'll have to uh, we'll have to try and get some more folks from the the Triangle DevOps group on the show, and and hopefully I can have you back again on sometime six months from now when you've you've learned a bunch of other new cool stuff that you can uh, you can share with people. Yes, yeah, certainly. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. Thanks so much for having me. You bet. So, uh, folks, that's that's the show for tonight. Um, we really want to thank Doug for coming on, um, as usual. So, one last thing, Doug, if, if folks want to, like, you know, follow you on Twitter or see the cool things you're doing, where can they find you? Sure. I'm uh, Knuckle Sandwich uh, on Twitter, and uh, I, I love to, you know, uh, talk to people about this type of thing. Like, you know, anybody has any questions, I'd be more than glad to, to discuss or um, you know, share my ideas or lessons learned or, or, you know, I'd love to hear on, uh, hear about some things that, that people have done that are very similar or, or different ways that they've attacked the problem. So okay. just hit me up on Twitter. I'm, I'm on there. Very cool. Very cool. Um, so folks, again, as always, you know, uh, if you like the show, tell a friend, give us a review on iTunes. You can always find us, uh, at the cloudcast net on Twitter and obviously all the other social media places off of our website. So for Doug and for Aaron, we'll be back next week. Thanks for everybody for listening and have a great night. Bye.